Welcome to the Omni Gamers Club, the podcast for gamers on all platforms, whether that's analog or digital or even your vacuum cleaner, but more about that later. I am Daniel Winter. And this is Mark Uesa, always excited to talk about vacuum cleaner based games. <laughs> yes, I've been trying something hot off the hot technology in the in the gaming world. <laughs> Now, our catchphrase for the outgoing segment can be, we talk about games that don't suck. <laughs> we even got it. <laughs> it's in the bag. Look forward to that for the next two years. <laughs> We're going to milk that. <laughs> okay, how are you doing, Mark? I am well, yeah. I, uh, like usual, been playing lots of video games. Not so much the board games, but uh, lots of GBA. Or, uh, what is it? BGA, I guess. BGA. <laughs> GBA would be great, too. Yeah, dig that out of the closet. <laughs> uh, so what, what have you been playing, Mark? Yeah, I've been playing kind of a mixed bag. Of course, the game we're talking about later today, I picked up a somewhat um, related game called Atelier Riza. I read that there was like a Atelier Riza 2 already out and a 3 coming up. It was on that Nintendo Direct recently. So I figured, hey, there's got to be something there they're talking about. So I've been playing that and it's quite uh, pleasant for a chill sort of crafting game. Excellent. Yeah, I, I saw um, the third one on the Nintendo Direct and it got me in the mood for a GRPG. And I, I was digging through the list of try, trying to pick something that I never I never quite settled on. But I, so I, I was curious about that series. It has You're playing an alchemist, I believe? Yeah, in all of them you're playing an alchemist. And usually they center around a always a female protagonist and generally the theme of the games is that they're they're never really doom and gloom for the most part there there is combat and there are monsters but it's sort of centered around the development of the character as an alchemist and everything she does is centered around bringing ingredients back so that she can craft potions or equipment so it's pretty it's you know quite cool it's kind of the thing i've been looking for is a a game I could play before going to bed, just kind of relaxing and not too grim dark and not too, <laughs> I don't know, over the top anime tropes or whatever. It's just like chill. So it's, it's nice. fitting the bill for now. What platform are you playing that on switch? Uh, I am playing it on uh, steam. So steam deck, oh, okay. it won, oh, runs course. pretty great on that. And it was on sale for like half price the other day. It might still be nice. Well, I'll add that to my short list of uh, games to check out if I ever make time for another JRPG. <laughs> yeah, how about yourself? Well, on the video game front, uh, I've been messing with a, a few things. Not, not many. I've been picking away at a bunch of games that I'm not going to go into any great detail on, but one I've really been digging this last week is Metal Hellsinger. Just came out on Game Pass, and to look at, it's basically Doom, like the, the new Doom 2016 uh I guess there's been two of them now. Doom, Doom Eternal, I think, was the other one. But it it's basically looks very much like that. You, you're playing through hell, uh, a lot of demons, and like very red and brown tints, basically. But the, the gimmick here is that it is a rhythm shooter. So you are shooting to the beat. There is a, a heavy metal soundtrack playing, I think... I'm not sure. I'm not familiar with most of these bands. They are like actual musicians from bands, but I think they've brought them in to record songs, especially for this. And yeah, you basically have to shoot the monsters to the beat to rack up a what do you what do you call it? A, a, a combo streak. Like yeah. A, a, yeah, shoot streak or whatever. And a, 
the, the cool thing being that you hit as you hit certain thresholds on these combos, an extra layer to the music gets added on. So it first out first starts out as like just the drums keeping the beat, and then you get the guitars added in, and then you hit like eight times, and it hit, and the the bass kicks in, and then like finally you max it out at sixteen, and the vocals kick in, and it's this real like it really rewards you for being in the zone. Uh, and I, it, the music isn't really even my jam. I mean, I'd like metal, not not this specific type, like a lot of screamo like like trivium and lamb of god and uh what's what's the other one uh, i think just one of the system of a down guys is in there but it, it really fits the, the gameplay and once like once once you're really in the zone and 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 uh, it it feels great it, it takes a little bit of time sort of getting like syncing up with the beat i don't think the like the way the way it's sort of displayed on screen isn't particularly intuitive. Uh, like you, you just these little uh, triangles in the middle that you're trying to like wait till they line up and click, but you can't really be looking that. You really have to feel it more than look at it, if you know what I mean. Uh, so once once you once you get the the, the sort of get in the in the in the groove, it's uh, yeah, it's, I'm having a lot of fun with that. And it's only like you, you like. The length of a song basically is a, is a level, so it's not it doesn't overstay its welcome. Uh, I was intrigued by that as well. I don't love metal by any uh, means, and I don't even really like the Doom games, although I, I certainly <laughs> respect them and their lineage. But uh, that combination just seems kind of cool, like it might gel. So might be something I check out too. Yeah, so it's relatively short. There's some fun challenges too. Like after you beat each level, there's some remixed versions of that with uh, like certain restrictions. Like oh, now you can only use like you have no control of which guns you're using, or you have to get certain like you have to get ex- execution kills within thirty seconds or or something like that. So it's a it's a few. It keeps up the the challenges and remixing things in a fun way. So yeah, really really enjoying that one. Nice. I'll talk quickly about a game that I, I didn't finish. Um, it's just a <laughs> game I, I dabbled in. It was I saw it on the list of games leaving Game Pass, and as you know, it's it's a real crying shame when a game is leaving uh, <laughs> the old Game Pass when you've been meaning to try it. And it's called uh, AI: The Somnium Files, or I potentially the Somnium Files, because it's very thematically centered around AI like artificial intelligence and eyes it's very thematic and their eye also means love in japanese so there's these layers of Ooh, kind of layers to it there <laughs> layers of metaphor and eyes um, all the way down that's right and it's pretty much uh, like i thought it would be it's pretty much a mark game because uh, <laughs> like the publisher's other games, it's it's another Spike Chunsoft joint. Right, yes. It's got that, you know, 999 nonary game sort of feel. It's This time it's based around mysteries, so it's not really escape game. It's more like detective. You have an AI companion. It's set in weird, future-y, cyberpunk-y Japan. Uh, there's quirky characters. And this time it seems a little bit more mature than um, even... Nonary Games has uh, some silly shonen kind of tropes. But what I like about it is that it's well, the UI is really interesting because basically you, you're you a detective that can sort of navigate dreams. Hmm. So you have, you, you enter a sort of a non-real place. It actually reminds me a little bit of another uh, game I played on Xbox Series X called The Medium. Oh yes! Did you ever play that when I was on Game Pass a year or no, so? No, that was that was from the people who did. 
Oh, I can't remember. They've done several other horror games that have had sort of mixed reactions. Uh, and I, I didn't jump on that one. It, it seemed a little unpolished, shall we say, <laughs> from what I heard of it. I played it, it, for, it a bit, the medium game, and it seemed intriguing. But it had a similar uh, case of, you know, you're trying to unravel puzzles in this sort of very uh, metaphorical um, space, which is in, inside people's dreams. And it actually reminded me a little bit about this Netflix show called Altered Carbon. I think it's based oh, off yes. of a graphic novel. Basically, it's a detective show, cyberpunk there's AIs and you, <laughs> you can inhabit bodies. So sleeves, I believe they're called. <laughs> yeah. So it's not so hardcore cyberpunk, but it has aspects of that. And basically Wait, okay. all the qualities that, you know, intrigue me. Yeah. I was curious about that one myself. Didn't quite get to it before it sailed on from game pass. I, I there's quite a few things leaving right now that I was, I was keen to get to, but missed opportunity, like uh, two ships at night, unfortunately. So maybe I'll circle back around to it sometime. Yeah. That's the great and the painful thing about game pass is that there's so many <laughs> games and they never tell you what's leaving until right before they're gone. No, like I, said, I, I think I mentioned last episode, I literally just started final fantasy 13 and that was the they announced it was leaving a couple of weeks later. So uh, I, I, I wasn't, gonna start investing time in that <laughs> yeah reminds me i should play the long games uh, on game pass now while they're yes, here exactly <laughs> and i should save the shorter games for right before they're gone when i can sneak in a, a quick you know eight hour game yeah what else have you been playing well, i've been playing a few more board games so do you have any more video games to to wrap up before yeah you, i have move on? Uh, one more video game actually it's a it's a short one actually two but i'll just say yes i am the one person that finished portal for the the pc game portal for the first time in 2022 oh, wow. <laughs> of course i played it back in the day like several levels but i didn't get to that turning point <laughs> until just about a month ago oh the twist wow yeah so <laughs> you're still stuck in those labs huh yeah yeah there's it's still fun times of course I'd, i heard about all the memes <laughs> The cake is a lie. The companion cube, I, you know, that sort of entered into the gaming, you know, lexicon. Obviously, so I'd known about all those things, but personally experiencing myself, getting it through it myself. So I saw the credits roll, but uh, I might stick around for a few of the. Um, I think there's bonus levels. That sounds about right. Perhaps, yeah. Yeah, and I and I haven't finished Portal Two uh, either. And then the other game I played, which is another short game is sort of related to the game we're talking about today. It's called Stranded Sails. In this case, it's the prologue, colon prologue, which is just a demo. It's just a remixed sort of demo version of the game that's available for free on PC. And this is a sort of, you know, your high seas, uh, I don't know, cabin boy or something like that, and you get stranded name you know like the name implies on an island and you have to survive by farming and crafting and uh i guess you know building yourself a little raft so you can leave the island so i thought that was intriguing uh, i was researching games along this line while researching our, our our episode tonight and it was free so i tried it out i played it through in one sitting uh, because it was free and i even bought the game uh, the, the the game that it's based on because it was on sale for five bucks. So, you know, this is not a crazy high polished game, but it had something there. Uh, it's, it's, it's cute enough. So I'm going to keep trying the full game soon enough. 
Excellent. Interesting. Now, as for Portal, have you played Portal 2? No, I haven't played Portal 2 because I kind of have a no no sequels till uh, I play the prequels um, policy. Excellent. Uh, well, it, have fun with that. That was, that was uh, one of my favorite gaming experiences. Right. I still remember when it, when it first unlocked on Steam back in, what, this is over, it's probably like 20 years <laughs> now. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I launched it up played through that entire game in one sitting, finished it one night and right. uh, had a fantastic time. Yeah, so, and yeah. I obviously know about the legacy of games like this, like Portal 2 is so, so highly regarded, uh, even, you know, right at the time when it launched. And, you know, if I'm right here, I might as well admit that I haven't played through uh, Half-Life 2, even oh. though it was the first game I owned on Steam because it launched, it launched Steam. No, that would be a good game for the game to cover sometime. They just uh, then both that and also Black Mesa, the the remaster of the first game. Right. Of course, mm. I have played through <laughs> Half Life One, which is an amazing genre uh, establishing game uh, at the time. So I, I know I have known of its legacy, and I've known of the Source engine. But uh, you know, just some games I had just haven't been feeling it. So going back to uh, explore history with the, with the <laughs> acquisition of the Steam Deck from, of course, Valve itself. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame that uh, Steam is no longer doing video games. <laughs> well, I guess they are kind of. They released this game called Aperture Desk Job. Oh, that's right. Yes. VR, VR course, game, right? Yeah. Uh, no, no, it's not. It's actually kind of a demo for the Steam Deck. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. It's, it's the UI is designed off of the Steam Deck UI. You could probably play it on a regular PC. But you might be thinking of Half-Life Alex. Yes, which is also really a demo for hardware, as most of their games lately, unfortunately. But, you know, very highly regarded game. And um, I guess, like, the latest continuation of that Half-Life series. Yes, yeah, I've heard amazing things about that. I don't have a, a, a VR headset or the capacity to... To handle one without getting uh, motion sick, what <laughs> one day perhaps? Yeah, I don't know if my um, OG Oculus still works. It was not connecting there for a while, so I'll have to dust uh, dust it off and see if it's still kicking. Well, why don't we wrap it up with video games there and flip over to the analog side of the gaming coin? Uh, so I have been playing a few a few different things. I had a, a Kickstarter arrive, a, a remaster of one of my favorite games, that is Castles of Mad King Ludwig. This originally came out, in the, I think it was like 2013. It was one of the first years I was here, I believe, and I was at a local convention. And it's a, a tile-laying game. You basically, there's an auction for certain tiles that you're then placing into your personal castle and trying to get adjacency bonuses, essentially. There's different types of rooms that want to be adjacent to other types of rooms, and you're getting combo bonuses there. And when you complete a room, they you get a reward. And th- these rooms are all different shapes and sizes. It's not just a like jutting squares up against each other. There's like there's hallways, there's big circular rooms, there's little square rooms. They, they, they're all in a variety of shapes and sizes. So you can really get some unique layouts the way you, you set up your castle. And so I, you have a lot of fun. It's one of those games where you, you realize halfway through that you, you're you having so much fun that you forgot to actually focus on trying to win the game. You're just trying to get the... Per- oh, I, I really want the cheese room next to the bedroom. And, and like just getting into the into the 
into the theme of it so much that you forget about the actual <laughs> actually winning with victory points. So I just got the the new deluxe collector's edition that Rima like the game is basically the same but much nicer artwork and components the the original was pretty dire looking i'll be honest it basically looks like clip art <laughs> but uh, some lovely illustrations on these new tiles and um lovely components the the score tracker is a little strange it's like this big jigsaw piece that goes in the middle of the board and you've got these plastic trays that hold of the tiles and like plastic tubes that hold all the scoring chits and everything but the the actual like scoring track sort of meanders through all of these other components. Like because the, the little scoring trackers are swans. It, it's, it's very much form over function. I think that's a, it's a great example of, of where they've put their focus and it's, it's a lovely form. I'll give them that, but it's a not particularly easy to, to actually manipulate, <laughs> but it's a fantastic game. Uh, I love having a new, a new treatment of it. There's a couple of new expansions added in there, which mix, mix things up a little more. And yeah, so it's like, one of my top 10 games? Uh, I do love it. If you can, if you can manage the, uh, the fiddliness. <laughs> I've played uh, mad King Ludwig, uh, once in person. And I think I even owned the app at some point. And I gotta say, I don't enjoy it. I'm sure it's a case of not knowing the full depths of the gameplay, but I found it quite fiddly and imprecise, as in it's hard to sort of tell how the pieces should go together because, it's, like you said, they're not regular grids. I found it to be hard to focus on all the moving parts, not to mention the auction component and the combos of adjacency combos. And I just thought it was, like you said, fiddly to the extreme and, and not really to my taste oh okay that's that's fine you don't have to like the game <laughs> I, I don't know if i entirely like the game i just haven't enjoyed the experiences i've had so far that's fine sure <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll try and convert you with my shiny new edition then i should try uh, what i'm saying is i should try it at least one time and then i'll feel like i've given it an honest shake it's, it's, it is an easy game to get like a rule wrong that could completely ruin your experience i'll put it that way right <laughs> Uh, okay, so what else have I been looking at? Oh, yes, I turned on my vacuum cleaner this week uh, <laughs> and wasn't cleaning up the, the cat's mess. Uh, so this week I, I got a new game in unexpectedly from Pegasus Spiel that is Spaceship Unity. This is a new game. It's literally just come out. Like, there's very little information or, or feedback on this game anywhere. So I had to go digging to figure out what, what its actually deal is. But like, from the box alone, I was interested. I know you were interested in that it's very clearly uh, riffing off Star Trek. Right. So it, it's, uh, it's not just the name. It's episode 1.1, this box. Uh, it's an episodic co-op storytelling game. You're playing a, uh, a crew on the bridge of a, of a spaceship and you're coming up against not Klingons and, and not uh, Vulcans. <laughs> Le- not. Legally distinct entities. Yes, yes. But the trick here is, I don't know if you've ever, did you ever play a, an app game called Space Team? I don't know if I have. So that was where you basically... S- you get a bunch of people sitting in the same room on their on their phones, and you, you all ha- you all open up this app, and like one person has to shout out, "Okay, uh, de wrangle the the sprongler," and so everyone has to look at their, their app of the phone. Oh, do I have the sprongler on my? Everyone's getting the these little mini 
game interfaces on their phones that are all slightly different. Oh, I have the Sprongler over here. Okay, tick, tick that off and, and, in, and interact with that. Oh, I need to decelerate the the attitude uh, wrangler and oh, I have that over here. So it's a lot of like those nonsense words passing back and forth, but trying to capture that, that concept of being on the, the, the bridge of a spaceship and interacting with the various component systems around it. There's even been a couple of board games. There's uh, what is it? The uh, Jeff Engelstein one. Yeah. That's something like that. Yes. That, yeah. That's, that's the one. But so this functions similarly, but the thing is here, the, the jump drive that you have to go interact with is your vacuum cleaner. The Ooh. the power cells is your sink. The navigational systems is a bookshelf. And that's like, and it's any bookshelf. You have to like that, just dictate, okay, this bookshelf is the navigation drive at the start of the game. And okay, so these are mild spoilers, but this is just like the first challenge in the first mission. So basically it's a times challenge. You have say 10 minutes to run through half a dozen cards and each card will say, okay, go and activate the, the jump drive. And so you go and find the, the, the jump drive, which happens to be the vacuum cleaner. There'll be a, there'll be a board that you've placed there, like a little card. And that will tell you, okay, to activate this, do X. And I won't, I won't spoil that. But there will be n- numerous activities to interact with each item. So maybe there's a malfunction that you have to clear, or maybe you have to turn it off, or there'll be, there'll be, there'll be various things. Uh, and so you're racing around the house, turning on the sink and, and fiddling with the curtains and, and grabbing books. And I, play, I only played two-player. I imagine it's really the sort of game where you, you want the, four, the, the full group of four to really capture that energy. Uh, but we did have a lot of fun. The, the writing was was solid for, for you. It's just standard uh, Star Trek parody. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was one of the better workouts I've had in a while <laughs> running around the house. It's a lot of fun, but it is going to be very dependent on your setup. Like say you have young kids, you might want to be running around the house yelling a lot. Uh, you might not have a, a sink. You're, it might be full of dishes. So you can't do the challenge. Um, so th- there are some backup systems. Like if, if for whatever reason you don't have a suitable item, uh, it is. I mean, it's going to come across various accessibility issues, both in like you don't, you don't since you don't even know what the challenge is, and there are a lot of like physical challenges. You might have some issues, like I said, some accessibility issues. It, it does sort of stress don't like don't sweat it too much like gives you some bit of leeway to to find alternative ways around it basically but it also one of the things i'd like is that you basically accept failure if you fail the challenge you don't get to you don't get to try again until you like you don't just repeat the same challenge over and over again which could get very tedious very quickly it it, like you you mark down on on a grid of squares that you've basically failed it and it will and the story will remember that and incorporate that into future into future episodes. Mm, interesting. This is very different than I imagined, but intriguing in its own way. Yeah, like you look at the back of the box, and none of this comes across. I don't think it really. It's a very unique game. It doesn't really sell what it's trying to do. It's a very situational game. Like obviously, you couldn't play this at conventions, or like it's, it's very limited as to where you could actually get this played properly. But uh, I, did, I did. I did have a lot of fun. For what it's worth. Well, let's let's hear more from that in the future. Yes, we'll have to we'll have to schedule that in sometime. Uh, plug in your vacuum cleaner, make sure make sure it's working. <laughs> Why don't we jump into the main feature? Right. Do you want to tell us what game that is we're talking about tonight? 
Yes, so we have been exploring Disney's Dreamlight Valley. That is a new game that just came out a few weeks ago. It's pretty much on all platforms, though in early access state. So I've, I've been playing on Xbox and PC. I don't know where, you, where you've been playing. Yeah, I've been playing on Xbox uh, almost exclusively, but I've been playing on console and on game cloud as well. Excellent. And like I'll, I'll say that it does have like cross-save compatibility, so you can bring it up on any platform and it will remember your like your save file, basically. <laughs> right. And I think it's explicitly coming to iOS, but it's not out just yet. Yeah, it, it, uh, not surprising at all. It very much feels like a mobile game. It has all the trappings of a mobile game, so right. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it on there. Yeah, and the, and that there might be a reason for that is that it's developed and published by notable mobile uh, game publisher Game Loft, which you might see have seen on the opening screens of many a mobile app you might have played. Yeah, I don't actually play that many mobile games. I'll be honest; I don't often have the time uh, to to waste. I should say. Yeah, I used to play more mobile games back in the day when I wasn't working at home. I had a yes, commute, yeah. and I would kill time, but not commuting anywhere. Oh, well, I could just pick up you know a Steam Deck and play it, or watch Netflix if I wanted to. So, I don't really play mobile games either. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what type of game are we talking about here? Yeah, you know, this is um, a game that's fit in a genre we haven't really talked about before. I think the most commonly used one is farming sim, or some people call life simulation. There are a number of games that fit in this category. Historically, the most famous one was called Harvest Moon, called Story of Seasons in Japanese. And the new version is called Story of Seasons in English because they, they lost the rights to the name or something. Oh, uh, so that's the story of that. In fact, you might see new games called Harvest Moon because some other company retains the rights to that name. Oh, but so not the going on there. Okay. Of late, the the eight hundred pound gorilla in that genre would most likely be a little old game called Stardew Valley. Yes, yeah. So uh, this game straight up rips that off, being you know uh, syllable syllable valley. I hadn't, I hadn't even realized that. Yeah, I was thinking more Animal Crossing. That's I thought where, where I thought you were going with. Yeah, that. <laughs> Animal Crossing is the more latter day one, but that doesn't quite have farming in it. I think it it actually added it in a later release. But I don't believe the original Animal, Animal Crossing games on early Nintendo co consoles had farming at all. If you want an idea of as to the popularity of this genre, uh, you should you just go and watch the uh, latest Nintendo Direct that we mentioned earlier. <laughs> There's about five, six of them in that, I think. There was something like five or six. Oops, or farming sims. <laughs> farm sims. Uh, games like, like I mentioned, I think there's a new story of seasons. Rune Factory has been around, which is literally a spin-off of Story of Seasons. Harvestella is coming from Square Enix. There's something Fae, called Fae, Fae Farm. Farm. It's it's popular. It's a hit right now, which is I guess it's it's part of a wider genre of that's also getting to be really popular is called Cozy Games. Mm. And yes. Cozy Games sort of spills over because it's kind of adjacent. I would I would probably call Animal Crossing more of a cozy game rather than a farm sim because it focuses on different things, although they're certainly adjacent. Like farm sims like Story of Seasons and uh, Stardew Valley definitely have like a large like relationship slash dating 
and eventually marriage component to them. Animal Crossing only has that in the slightest manner, as in, you know, you could become more friendly with certain characters or you could, you know, piss off certain characters and have them. <laughs> it's a very your, surface level your island. Uh, yeah. rela- relationship tracker. Yeah. Right. So, but, I mean, so how does, how does uh, Dreamlight Valley, how does that uh, deal with all, with all these systems? The other components that commonly come with this genre, which is fishing. You know, fishing has always been popular in, in definitely Japanese games, of which, you know, this, this genre started in Japan with Story of Seasons. And then quite often there'll be mining as well. So you'll you'll be gathering uh, resources uh, like, you know, jewels and gems and things like that. Um, you're usually doing stuff like collecting wood. And all of that adds up to another key component of these life simulations, which is crafting. Crafting in, in, in Dreamlight Valley comes in kind of, I guess, three varieties, if you really want to think about it. Uh, Furniture, and then items, and then cooking is its own form of crafting. But of course, focusing more on food. I don't know if you can actually craft yourself clothing in Dreamlight Mm, Valley. No, I I think you can only buy it or sort of unlock it through chests. Right. And then that is a nice segue into the other popular aspect of some newer cozy games like Animal Crossing is the sort of like, I don't know what we call it, like (laughs) capitalism simulator, (laughs) where basically you just buy things, collect things. Be be in debt. (laughs) Yeah. Dress up and, you know, deck out your your home until it's nice and cozy. Yeah. So it's it's funny. It's something like Animal Crossing, I feel like has all the, very much the cozy vibes. There's very little... Like you, the the main draw of that game is just making friends, decorating the island the, the island how you want. But there's this constant looming threat of you owe this money to Tom Nook. Uh, he's he's coming to break your kneecaps if you don't pay off. Like it, it, it's just curious, like why that's even there. Like you need you need this draw. To, you need something to work towards. And this obviously uh, Dreamlight Valley. D- takes that i mean you, you literally have scrooge mcduck in this case taking the role of tom nook who who you you don't owe money to but you need to pay him money to, to, to do any upgrades it's like not a loan but you, you he's holding you hostage for any, anything that you need right. to do in town and, <laughs> yeah and these upgrades sort of gate off certain aspects of the game so it's definitely required like there's no way to avoid capitalism in dreamlight uh, valley or Animal Crossing. And, you know, I know why it's there. It's because these sort of, you know, relaxing, chill out games wouldn't have an arc without the debt. Animal Crossing is a game that intentionally just shows you the most um, limited set of activities to start. And then it slowly expands and expands and expands and expands until you have control of the literal shape of the earth around you. You can (laughs) create new rivers and you can create new streams and new hills, but it would be very overwhelming if all of that was uh, given to you right off. And uh, I think it generally adds to a sense of accomplishment. If you start the game in a little tent, that's, you know, three by three squares, and then you end up in a three-story house with, you know, five rooms or whatever. It's 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 offering you the promise of what everyone wants, which is, you know, expanded growth without any of the negative aspects, which is, you know, falling into real debt where there's any real consequences. The joke is 
Tom Nook is coming to break your kneecaps, but he never does. <laughs> right? There's never any interest. Interest free loan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's so that's basically what I was getting at with that. Non consequential. Like, <laughs> it's funny though, these games always have the pretense of you getting away from like the hustle and bustle. Like St- yep. Stardew Valley is literally that. You're you're getting away from your, your dead end office job to like get back to nature and your your grandfather's legacy and, and trying to recap be be one with you know the, the, the little things again. But you, you never really escape capitalism, I guess. <laughs> the joke, the irony is further expanded because you're right, in Stardew Valley, the game in the first, you know, five two or three screens is showing generational wealth. Unless you had that grandfather to leave you that farm, you wouldn't be escaping your dead-end, soul-sucking job. The escape is all an illusion. It's like the Matrix. (laughs) Right. And I think that's why this game appealed so much in its place of origin, which is Japan, because there, your life of possibility and prospects sort of ends when you enter the workforce. Sounds depressing, but I think the reality is even more depressing. depressing. What, what, what is that line in the Matrix? There's some line that, like the the uh, like the, the robots that plugged everyone into the Matrix. They get, they tried giving everyone like heaven with no friction, and and everyone and they rebelled against it. Like humanity had to have friction in order to like be satisfied with their lot, basically. And I, I feel like that, that pretty much encapsulates these games. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's so a good You feel comparison. like you're free, but you, you never really are. So I guess we should talk more about actual Dreamlight Valley. Right, rather than the the social commentary that <laughs> it either covers or, or very it's, handily avoids. And, and mega, mega corporations like Disney. <clears throat> exactly, cashing in on all our fantasies of checking out of reality. You're absolutely right. Why don't we start with the, the first word then? Why don't we start with Disney? Yeah, so it is a, a pretty it's a pretty good translation in, in terms of bringing Disney into that formula because they have this huge breadth of characters and and locations and and lore to pull upon, so it feels like a pretty perfect uh, garden to play with here. So in something like Animal Crossing, where you've just got all these random animal friends that you're sort of interacting with on your island here it's all of the disney characters from every well not every yet but uh ostensibly from every movie and and disney franchise so you start out meeting merlin and very quickly go into mickey mouse and goofy and uh remy from ratatouille and it's about it's half a dozen sort of movies reflected at least in his opening uh early access version right. of the game yeah you start with a limited set of characters kind of your tried and true like you mentioned your uh scrooge maduck mickey and merlin and goofy and then all the other characters that you meet are either unraveled through um main story quests but others are based off of domains and this is where I think the Disney license comes, it works really well, is that not only do you get the characters from these franchises, but you get the settings as well. You get to visit these worlds and occupy the space with your custom created avatar. So it's it's that fantasy fulfillment of you being, you know, in the in the mysterious forest of Frozen 2 next to Anna and Elsa, or be on the island next to Maui and Moana, or being in the kitchen cooking with uh, Remy. So I think that aspect of it is really well achieved. And for now, it seems like you can access what? What is it? Four separate domains? What is it? There's Moana, 
Frozen, Wally, and uh, Ratatouille. Right. I've, I've actually only visited one of these so far. You, you've obviously uh, much further ahead than I am. Uh, I, I did Ratatouille. You, you do get a choice which one to visit first, which is a nice little offer. Like you said, which, which is your favorite, which character do you want to see most, and which like. Oh, which, which I'm not look? surprised you went with the cooking themed. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, yes. <laughs> uh, movie. I eventually unlocked all four. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I will tell you that they offer a wide variety of locales and experiences. And some of them are actually quite a bit larger than I think uh, Wally and Ratatouille are just like one room. Yes. Yeah. That was my one concern. It was, yeah. it was a very different um, element to the rest of the game. I mean, you're still interacting with the cooking system, but it was much more curated experience that you're playing through. You're playing through an actual video game level rather than just this sandbox, which I thought was a nice sort of change of pace. Yeah, I agree. Like it would be in most games, traveling to strange new worlds would be very disorienting, especially if they throw new mechanisms at you. But I feel like the focus of these domains is very tight and that's why they succeed. Like, Wally and Ratatouille are very short and focused. And then the frozen one is the most um, sort of expansive. Like you can actually walk quite a different uh, distance and interact with different, slightly different micro environments. And there's like multiple steps and quests you interact with. And it's pretty obvious to say that these are just the the tip of the iceberg. (laughs) These four. Is there a reason to go back to these once you've cre- once you've done the sort of the linear story that these realms have to offer? Is there any real reason to go back? Yeah, I would say that there is. I mean, in, in most cases, they literally make you go back. Oh, okay. So the cool thing about some of these worlds I mentioned is that um, I guess you could classify some of them as small. You only interact with one character, but in the other two, you interact with more than one character. Mm. See, I, I knew I, I did. I've, I've had no reason to go back to Ratatouille's room kitchen <laughs> since i since i completed that level because like he comes back with you and like he's just now in my town so there's yeah <laughs> i mean i think you can argue there's subtle points right like some of the environments will let you collect certain type of ingredients oh. resources that might not be readily available on your own and even the ratatouille kitchen like they give you these sort of strange like virtual <laughs> food ingredients <laughs> that you can't like leap you can't just take them and leave. No nutritional value. <laughs> right. But the recipes that you unlock while you're there with the whole kitchen oh, of ingredients. So you can experiment are, with exactly, ingredients. They're permanently, they're permanently unlocked in your catalog. So huh. in that sense, you can keep going back there. Interesting. So, yeah. So that part cool. of it is quite cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to exploring more of those. I, I, I've spent most of the time in the sort of central hub realm, though, which is all very... Uh, nondescript I, I will say like there are some hints towards like uh, other realms like i think in the forest there's a the 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 elephant graveyard from lion king for some reason but just like that one elephant skull and that, yeah. that's that's it like well, yeah <laughs> i think because of the legacy of disney they're meant to be generic like yeah this is meant to be the same forest that you visit in Snow White as you do in Rapunzel and as you do in Frozen, right? It's supposed to cover the breadth of this like imaginary space. 
But it's just taking like taking all of these colors and just mixing them all together until it's brown. I feel, to be honest, this is all very nondescript, and by throwing everything together into one, it's like nothing is special. If you know what I mean. You know, when I saw the layout of the overworld map, I instantly knew what they were going for, which was oh yes, uh, a virtual recreation of what they do in their very real world theme parks mm, at Disney World and Disneyland. The hub and spoke. <laughs> yeah, all of them literally have a magical castle uh, at the center, or in the case of Tokyo Disney Sea, they have a volcano at the center, <laughs> but. Uh, the the mainline Disney theme parks have that um, castle, the magical castle in the middle, which they do right here. It's where you start, and then all of the thematic lands uh, encircle, and uh, they offer you variety, and you sort of transition between them. You know, when I was a kid visiting Tokyo Disneyland, I always thought, "Oh, weird! You're you're entering this like strange liminal space where space land turns into Wild West land." And it's like, uh, that was a bit weird, but they do it surprisingly well. And I think you're supposed to feel the same sort of thing here is that, oh, the color palette is shifted or the plants are a little bit different. And, and true to form, I think they try to make those areas different by offering different plant life, mm-hmm. fish in some cases, certainly different minerals. So some things you can only unlock in this area or that area and um you you're supposed to go back to them repeatedly to gain all of the resources and to interact with all the characters that you're going to need for the various quests that you're given yeah yeah i mean it's it's a a pretty good job so far and i'm still unlocking all these biomes and it very gradually unlocks them so you start off you just have that central castle and a couple of villages, and you, these these quests, I think, do a good job of gradually unlocking other characters, other biomes, so it's, you're not overwhelmed in trying to do everything at once. And it's and it's a great sense of progression as you gradually get a new area to explore. On oh, now, I can get these new these new types of wood or or fish or or flowers to collect to use in crafting and so it's, it's a good sense of progression in that and that that's still i think one of the main draws in pu- pulling me forward is uh following these quests that to unlock things and sort of uh, do a pretty good job of letting you not forcing you but encouraging you to interact with the various systems that the game has to offer like you uh have to decorate or or, or plant vegetables or work on the friendship levels of the characters and so there's there's these sort of um soft encouragements to to interact with all those various elements as you unlock these areas of the islands and i'm just a little concerned as to what happens when i hit the end of that progression (laughs) yeah you know i've played uh quite a bit of this game now and i'm in my like upper level 20s or so Mm. i've unlocked i think all but one region of the map and I'm getting to the point now where the quests aren't like a walk in the park mm. uh, anymore, as in now with so many characters unlocked from those four domains, which I've unlocked um, six new characters from, and then the other characters that you recover, which some of them are pre-existing on some of these areas that you unlock. Uh, by upgrading your equipment, you can unlock the second half of some of these regions. 
Huh. So, mushrooms. for instance, right, the it's like mushrooms blocking them off, or yeah, um, yeah, there's mushrooms, or there's these yeah. bones that sort of block you off from certain areas, and so there's there's really never any time when I sort of felt like, oh, I don't have anything to do. So, in that sense, I think it's a really successful. I think its scope is fairly tight. It's not a real fantasy world. I think it's more of a theme park. Yeah. And the scope of the things you can do are limited in the same way that they are in a theme park, right? There's each one of those regions you go to in Disneyland or Disney World, there's going to be two or three key activities. And once you've done all two or three key activities, that's sort of the extent of it. Yeah, you can go back to Splash Mountain and go ride on it again, but you've kind of seen those things, right? Yeah. I think that's not a fault of the design, right? Like I think they they sort of hit the mark on the head and uh but they the they layer on more with these quests which expand characters. And you know, that's the sort of the promise and the limitation of a game design like this. I mean, obviously your mileage is going to vary based on um how much of a fan of, of Disney or shield of Disney I should say. You know, there's a whole subset of, you know, adult fans of Disney. Right, I think yes. they're even like building, like communities. Where oh, there are absolutely gated communities of, of Disney fans. Yeah, in right. Florida, Disney, obviously. Disney resorts, <laughs> like not just the theme parks, but like you can you can go to this Disney themed resort in Hawaii and Disney cruises and things like this. And I don't know all of the movies and I don't know all of the characters, but I watched enough as a kid, and I watch enough now as a parent of kids for that reason i can respect and appreciate the sort of care they've taken to uh model this world but i i can see the limitations as well as in you know don't expect this to be you know sort of like westworld levels of <laughs> fidelity it's very much it's about as realistic as a game of you know animal crossing is and probably a little bit more depth too to be honest there's something, yeah, something a little bit off about some of these characters. Like Mickey, especially, doesn't these a little bit of uncanny valley. This, this isn't Mickey. This is other Mickey. Uh. Yeah, I wonder if that's like intentional as like part of the story because I'm not going to give too many spoilers away. But you're you're fighting this malevolent element called the forgetting. You start off the game in this very like decrepit looking almost haunted house covered uh reality with these thorny vines of this purplish uh environment and it's dark and all the homes are disheveled and it's certainly not happy-go-lucky to start so i thought that was an interesting approach and at some point you know you unlock the game and it becomes bright and rosy but that was a, a certainly a different take especially if you consider that some young people are going to be playing this game or primarily playing this game perhaps yeah there's certainly some dark undertones like mickey's talking about like how no one can no one can remember Minnie, and like this is like he's he's smiling but you know he's like secretly terrified on the inside like there's not a lot there story-wise it's just the the characters sort of quipping with you back and forth there's nothing particularly exciting or or interesting at, at, at this point other than just chaining from one area to the next in various ways to keep you busy it goes to some 
dark places that are, like you said, they're, they're uncanny Valley, right? Some characters are acting differently or they seem to have succumbing to things like trauma that (laughs) you don't really associate with characters of this type. And there's one character I won't um, spoil who appears like a ghostly apparition of themselves. And that's kind of spooky. Like, Oh yeah. I think I've seen one of those. (laughs) I I think young people might be put off by some of this early on. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't present the sort of bright, happy Disney uh, from the get go. It takes a, a little while to actually get this feeling like a an actual happy place. <laughs> right. All right. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, a couple core things, and then I think I'd like to give my opinion of it because mm-hmm. I think we talked a lot about generally how it goes. So a lot of the bones of this game are similar to Animal Crossing. You're going to be doing those activities to sort of you know collect stuff, dress up. You're, you're trying to inhabit this world that you're allowed to customize to a certain degree. It's a very, like, shiny playground, right? Um, you know, this isn't really true freedom in the, in the sense that it's, like, Sim Earth or Sim City or something like that. You're very much living in this kind of fishbowl. <laughs> with with a few knobs and levers at your disposal to to tweak it and and like we said before you you sadly can't escape capitalism even in this literal fantasy world what i really like about this game is that it never really lets up it always is introducing new things and in that sense uh, i think at least the content of it has been designed well i don't engage too much in that dressing up or decorating my home but i enjoyed some aspects of it like i think the fishing game is maybe the best video game fishing <laughs> mini game i've ever experienced i like it because it's it's not too fussy it controls very well and i think the cooking game is quite good as well it, there's a huge list of uh, recipes which uh, you can unlock you can check how your unlocks are going the you you do receive literal recipes of exactly the ingredients you need, but you're sort of left to guess at some of them, some of the other ones, but you're encouraged to sort of experiment. And at any time, if you combine the right ingredients together just by chance or by guessing, or even by, you know, searching it up on message boards, you can unlock a recipe that wasn't explicitly shared with you. So that aspect of it, I thought was pretty darn successful. Yeah, there's a bunch of different things to explore here. Whether whether you want to just mess with cooking or, or go fishing or, or decorate your house, it's, it's very much a sandbox, um, very much like the the the, the forefathers of the, of this genre, like your, your Animal Crossing. And a lot of those games I've struggled with. In just, they're a little bit they give you a little too much freedom, and like to what end is are you really looking to play these games for? And that's what I'm really trying to. You, have, you largely have to make your own goals. Like, do you want your goals to just be to, to make friends with the characters? Do you want to make the perfect house or, or play dress up with like <laughs> the doll of your avatar? Uh, and like each, each component part of them is is, is fine. I, I do generally need a little more guidance though in these games. And this one does. Like I said, the quest system is good. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying working through that and being guided through those systems. I'm just, I'm, I'm not sure once I'm done with that, what is there to keep, continue pulling me forward? What friction is there other than like, there's, there's a lot of busy work that it has you do and these little frictions of like, oh, you're out of energy. 
or okay, walk back to the house and, and to, to recharge and go back again. Not not like interesting challenges, but ju- just just friction for the sake of friction. It largely feels like busy work, like having to clear the thorns each day. And- I think you hit it on the head. Like I think the game is busy work, mm. right? And also, you're not going to be done with the story content or the quests because like that is the game. What their strategy is going to be is that create enough of these busy work quests where you have to crisscross the map to, <laughs> you know, so kind of suck out every, you know, uh, iota of mind Disney interaction. Joy. <laughs> right. And then every few months they're going to release new doors in that magical castle, which unlock new realms. And they're going to do that until they've gone through every one of their movies. And then there's going to be Probably five more movies, movies that yeah. they can unlock. And then they're going to unlock star Wars and then they're going to unlock Marvel and they're never going to end until, you know, the next uh, Dreamlight Valley 2 comes out. Yes, it's like these games, farming games by design, in a sense, kind of, kind of market themselves as forever games, or at least games with a pretty long arc. That's like designed around this sense of progression and growth and really seeing this the, the, an arc of your you know, your farm or your town building up and growing. And I know it just, it's just a little tiring, <laughs> to be honest, yeah, the, whole, yeah. the feeling of those. I'm not going to argue with you there. I think it's a little bit more akin to, say, like a MMO. And you, you can choose which order you're going to do those, you know, X quests. And you can be, you know, you can be whatever, a, a monk, or you can be a, a paladin to do those X quests, but you're still going to go through those X quests and you're still going to hit those same points on the map. And it, you're, the point is you're supposed to complete the quests, right? It's, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I was, I literally wrote down um, some comparisons to World of Warcraft and this sense of, progressing for the sake of progressing and you 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 do it you 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 beat the 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 big bad and then what is there more to do other than to see numbers go up and so okay well exactly this This is a single player mmo (laughs) this is like fetch quest orama like every single quest is collect five of these three of those and six of these or this is build this give it to that guy and then that guy says thanks uh, let's build this and give it to that guy. And there is this sense, like I do, I do see the charm in this drip of, of new characters, like the excitement, Oh, who's going to be next and like new, new constant, new content. But there's also the feeling of being left behind, like, like in a, in a, in, a, in, in World of Warcraft, for example, and like time is constantly moving forward in this game and you can never like, I don't know. It's just, it, it moves faster than I can ever really keep up with, which just, just gives me anxiety in a sense. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be that, but a little dialed down a bit, like, because there's no, there's no like new raids or things like that. <laughs> so I think it's going to be like unlocking that uh, level of content as you go. And I think animal crossing does an interesting thing is where like you, you are actually limited from doing too much stuff. Uh, in that game like it, it it's a, you know a nintendo game so they like to focus on you know like people should take breaks you know you shouldn't play the wii for too much or you shouldn't swing the wiimote too hard or that level of <laughs> bs right or there's a bit of that here with like soft caps on like the certain items spawning basically there's only so much you can do each day yeah but i thought it was actually quite generous i thought new resources respond pretty darn quickly. And because there's not really a, a calendar like Stardew, where you're going from January 1st to January 2nd, 
in this game, you're just going from day one, day two, or you're just going from day to next day to next day. Um, and you're not even doing that because the day night cycle is tied to your game clock. So all you're doing is if you run out of energy, eat some food you have on you or go back to your room and you're magically refilled (laughs) and you can keep on mining or whatever. And it's much more of a mobile style game, but kind of with some of those free to play limitations removed. Maybe it's because of the addition of the game we're playing. We're playing the, the, the preview on a game pass, like you mentioned. Oh, there's definitely going to be microtransactions at some point. <laughs> You're right. And other players are going to be that are playing right now are literally playing on Game Pass or they're playing the Founders Edition, which they have to uh, invest real money in. So uh, they might be adding uh, stamina packs or something later on. Mm, but yeah. I thought it was actually re- remarkably friction free for one of these type of mobile f- forward games. There's a lot of little things to me, like the cooking, for example. I, I find, actually found that really frustrating because you can only ever make one dish at a time. Oh, my God. I totally agree with you. That's so <laughs> frustrating. And so it'd be fun to, to interact with, but it's just tedious. You like five copies of this dish. Exactly. So, yeah, that's, why, that's exactly why I haven't been interacting with that very much. Also, you have to have one call for each dish, even though it's a salad. Yeah. <laughs> that's super frustrating, too. So at this point, I'm just going to say uh, a few... Uh, a couple of nitpicks, and then I'm going to say a couple good things, and I'm happy to leave it there. There's a few visual bugs that is going to get streamlined at some point. It's a very repetitive game overall, and there are some attempts to streamline some of the rep- repetitive actions, like planting and harvesting, but they're really awkward and they don't always succeed. This game, unlike Animal Crossing, has a manually controlled 3D camera. So you can actually get into situations that are less than ideal. People that are, you know, younger gamers or people that are gamers that are not so experienced with 3D game controls are not uh, not going to have an easy time getting used to this manual camera control. There's a reason why Animal Crossing has been such a hit with <laughs> non-traditional gamers is because of how many aspects of hardcore gaming they've managed to strip away. Mm. And camera control is just one of them. It does feel very clunky, just navigating the the camera and movement in this game. It's so annoying to be, you know, whatever, farming or something. And then this tree gets in your way and you have to swing the camera around while you're trying to auto harvest. And it's that part of it's pretty darn annoying. Did you have some nitpicks of your own? Yeah, I mean, when you're farming, for example, you can sometimes activate these... Super crops, like it starts flashing and you can you <laughs> yeah. keep harvesting it. But then you're trying to click on it, and oh, but you, your character keeps harvesting the other things around it, and it's just really oh, hard yeah. to aim. And, it, it, just aiming in general, even on PC, like I was, I've moved largely from Xbox to PC where it's better, but it's still hard to get like fine tuned aiming when you're trying to to never to harvest and, and click on specific items uh some, some things like the ha- like you can design your house and decorate it but i realized when you when you upgrade your house and make it bigger it just pushes the walls back so suddenly every like all your furniture is just floating in the middle of the room and so it felt like it wasn't really worth investing in decorating it until i'm like i'm, I'm finished building it all out and I, I, I finished fully upgrading it for example um yeah i think animal crossing does a similar thing yeah, I mean, but you mentioned earlier the quests um, 
being paced pretty well, but I actually struggled quite a bit with that. I hit a wall very early with um, a character needing some particular items that only dropped from, like there were dream, these dream shards that only drop when you clear the thorns. And once you've cleared the thorns for a day, you can't get any more. And it took me like three or four days to get enough of these to, to actually progress the quest. And I th- they ended up actually patching this in to, to increase the, the drop rate of them. But like, obviously you didn't have any trouble with this. So I have to wonder if like how much of it is just the order you do quests in. Like had I, had I gotten to that quest earlier, I would have gotten some gems from the other quests if, if, if done in a different order, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I think, I think you're right. They, they must've tuned some of that, but also there are things you know, and this is might actually be characterized as a good aspect of this game is that there are some things that they don't tell you as in some things you just have to mess around and find out as in some resource drops come out in the main area, the open area of the early part of the game, but some of them can only be accessed in specific uh, terrains that you have to manually unlock Mm -hmm. with, um, with what is it? Dreamlight, that currency. And they don't tell you what resources are going to be found in each region. So some Ooh. quest lines are going to be blocked off from you, literally blocked off from you, unless you unlock this region. If you if you look in the in the um, the, co- the collection tabs, they actually do tell you where each item will be found. Like, oh, this oh, that's good. hardwood is found in the forest of Valor, and and so and so. But uh, at the same time, I've still struggled with like identifying like hardwood, for example. I can't like it, to me. It, it looks exactly the same as softwood, and when you pick it up, it doesn't actually tell you what it is. It just the icon looks yeah, the same. You're and totally so... right. And <laughs> and this blue flower looks pretty much the same as this other blue flower. Yeah, yeah. Some parts of the design could be improved. Maybe they'll add tooltips or and something. They are, they are tweaking things too, so I'll I'll, I'll give them a, a little bit of benefit of the doubt here. Uh, these these are all things that are fixable in various ways. A lot of it's mostly just interface tweaks i think it is what it really needs like the the cooking thing that they'll they'll fix that at some point i have to imagine <laughs> please yeah. i think you're right well it's a live service game right yeah. so these these are sort of have to be improved over time let's um, move on to a slightly more optimistic note is there any particular characters or settings you'd like to see in this game Yeah, there certainly is. I haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about that, although I will say that there's a sort of a key art screen that you see. I think it's literally the box art of the game (laughs) on on the game store screen, and about most of the characters listed there aren't available in the early access. I think they've all been announced as coming in the next couple of months, though. Right, so you have to imagine that those are coming. I, personally, feel totally fine with the amount of upgrades that were there, like... Like I said, I've unlocked every door you can unlock <laughs> in the castle, and I feel fine. I feel like I got a decent amount of content for the time I invested in that. So I think well, there's going to be some value there for not, sure. Not every game has to be a forever game, and I kind of respect these these farming games that have an arc, and you get to the end, and you did it. You farmed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good work. Well, um, most of those are single player offline games. So yes. this is going to be a single player. Well, I don't want to open the, the bucket here now, but like my, my time at Porsche, I think it, we've, we've both um, discussed in the past, I think is a good example of that. Yeah. I actually like Porsche a lot and I think it's, it's superior in most aspects than this game. Yes. I'm yeah. just going to say, I think <laughs> Porsche was more enjoyable. The quests, the characters and the world are much deeper and more fleshed out than, star or dreamlight valley by far uh but 
uh, doesn't mean that this game isn't worth playing. You know, you asked me what some positive aspects of the game are. I think there are quite a few. The, you know, incidental dialogue for some of the characters actually is very faithful to the subject material. So, for instance, there's these throwaway dialogue conversations you can have with characters to sort of improve your affinity with them. And that's that's a cool aspect, too, is that you can have individualized affinities with separate characters. And that gives you mm-hmm. a lot of reason to come back and interact with different characters. <laughs> yeah, and, and you have this like hangout mechanism, which I don't think we talked about, where you have to call some, you know, ask someone to hang out with you and they sort of putter along behind you as you do whatever. And you level them, you level the characters up, the secondary characters up. And that aspect of it is quite cool. So I I thought that those interaction, those text interactions you can have with these characters are great because like they will sort of quiz you in a very mild way about like literal dialogue and song lyrics (laughs) to the movies. And if you know them, it's great. If you don't know them, it's fine. You're still going to get passing grades, but you feel like, oh, I, I, I won the, you know, I won the, <laughs> the Disney, Disney trivia, <laughs> trivia uh, match for this day. And it's, it's a very nice touch. It's a little endorphin rush for knowing you're Disney. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then and, and each character has three items that they're looking for each day, which will grant you them bonus affinity if you give it to them and they're you know very specific items but you can tell that they're thematic you know like you know maui and goofy you want you know fishing oriented things scrooge wants gold (laughs) scrooge wants yeah wealth yeah (laughs) um, jewels and things like that and the characters want you know thematic things and some of the upgrades that you unlock later on like you unlock shay remy uh, which is the restaurant in town, and you unlock this Moana fishing uh, canoe. And they're very thematic, but they they have mechanical advantages, uh, bonuses. So they meld theme with a mechanism very well. It's it's more than I expected, to be honest. Yeah, no, no I, I am enjoying it. Um, I'm look, it's like a few characters I, I, I'm looking forward. Like they just announced, I think Toy Story is next, and I've just been rewatching those movies with my daughter, so I'm looking forward to, to those. Uh, the, the, I said I do feel like the characters are a little bit bolderized, just the way they sort of just jammed together, and like they lose it. I don't know whether it's partly the writing and partly just being removed from their context. And I'm, I'm curious to see those domains with the characters in their original settings, maybe that maybe might recapture a little bit of the magic there. But yeah. in the central land is jamming them all together. Just, it just loses some of the magic for me, I think. So I don't know that it is a, a, it's, it's like kind of post meta. Uh, it's no, it's, a, it's kind of postmodern Disney appreciation, right? You're, um... And they've touched upon this with more recent titles. Like uh, you just look at, uh, movies like the Wreck It Ralph ones, uh, you don't. You need to go no further Thanks, than those. That uh, what's, to, what's the uh, play, player one? Like, ready player ready one. Player one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, the Wreck It Ralph uh, movies are, are are more clear parallel because they literally rammed all the Disney princesses together into <laughs> some key scenes of Wreck It Ralph two, and th- those are some of the best parts. Of that well, movie, those are right? well written at least and a bit, bit knowing but so this is just like just jamming them all together for the sake of it without any real acknowledgement of how weird it all is <laughs> yeah it is weird i mean it's sort of like would merlin know about modern 
conveniences like light bulbs and things like that, right? Like they do touch upon things like those. So. <laughs> but you're right. It is a sense of awkwardness and there is a sense of that uh, uncanny valley, like you said, that these types of characters will, you know, not likely interact with each other. And who's to say what other types of characters will come into pe- play? Like, will they introduce characters from live action things like Star Wars and Marvel? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Even though they have 3D versions of those, right? Like the Clone Wars animated and so forth. What will those look like? So yeah. it's hard to say. Yeah, it's depressing. <laughs> but like people is obviously a lot, like I, I as much as I, I do like these characters, but other people like them a lot more than me. And I'm sure they're, they're getting a lot of enjoyment out of it. And so power to them. And exactly right. This is for them, right? If you don't like Disney characters, don't play this game and don't go to Disneyland, right? And if you do probably you should play this game and go to Disneyland because you know what you like. <laughs> As um, one fun final game I've, I've, I've mentioned, I've, I've just started another game in, in the same realm. Uh, hit game Pass a couple of days ago is Slime Rancher 2 uh, right. that I've actually been enjoying. I need to read a little bit of the other one, but enjoying my time with, with the, the, this one so far in that there is actual challenge to it. It's like there is actual danger and threat and, and like elements you need to balance like you need to actually keep your like you 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 you're putting these slimes in the cages to harvest them for currency but you need to feed them and like farm enough food to be able to feed them or they or they get angry and explode and so like i think that that the challenge that that game offers has put into contrast a little bit for me what dreamlight valley is missing i think but not every game has to have challenge either I mean, it's, maybe it's just not for me Uh, There's a reason why everyone in my family enjoys Animal Crossing, except for me. (laughs) It's a reason why all of them live in multi-level homes and I still have my tent on the the beach. (laughs) Uh, Is because the lack of challenge in Animal Crossing, the lack of direction, leaves me ungrounded. And I... I seek something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a reason why I've played this game, Dreamlight Valley, more in you know three weeks than I've had in owning Animal Crossing for three years, uh, two or three years, is because there is more to it. it. It is deeper. But I probably still enjoy that aforementioned My Time at Porsche more. I'm looking forward to trying out My Time at Sandrock, which yes. is a sequel. Yeah. Uh, once it hits Game Pass, which I hope it does, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've played you know Rune Factories uh, in the past, uh, so I, I might hit up one of those new ones. And there was even this game on PSP called Innocent Life, which was a sci-fi Harvest Moon, which oh. I actually enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, I thought it was hmm. super, super cute, and, and and the theme was really um, interesting because you're, you're basically an android who loves to like nurture life. Oh, so huh. it was kind of cool twist on things. Uh, so I like the uh, genre, but I like it to have a little bit extra. I enjoy combat. Or I don't mind it. <laughs> <to at least. laughs> yeah, I, I like quests. Uh, so um, I'm actually also not a big fan of Stardew Valley either. Mm. I find it quite stressful. Yeah, it's, it's, it, there is challenge, but not in the way that I want. It's just timed. Like I, yeah. <laughs> it's actually not very relaxing, in my opinion. No. <laughs> yeah, Porsche is a, a nice balance of that. I, I like this genre a lot. I just ha- I, it's, I haven't really found something with the just the right mix. I haven't found my sort of Goldilocks <laughs> of, of farming games just yet. 
Yeah, well, I think that's maybe a reason why this genre is, is is sort of hitting its stride. It's having its renaissance moment is because I think people are f- they're finding something they need in this genre, right? They're they're finding some sort of escape or ability to vent or um, you know to cope with uh, you know the difficulties and challenges that life throws at you. It's all and just part of the a, matrix. <laughs> there's a reason why Animal Crossing was the game of the pandemic. Because it it lets you it lets you decorate your home, it lets you see your friends, it lets you live <laughs> out your fantasy, and 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 if it succeeds in that, then it's then it's a it's doing it's doing a good job. Yeah, I think it's a coincidence that they they become popular in uh, pandemic times. Absolutely. Well, I think we uh, covered Dreamlight Valley and uh, touched upon the genre pretty well. <laughs> hands all over the, the rest of the genre i think <laughs> uh, well there's so much to do there's so much to see <laughs> I'm looking forward dirty, to right, right, right in right in there <laughs> right and i'm enjoying riza too so uh maybe we'll hit up the cozy game genre again at some point yeah see a different aspect of yeah, it. yeah i'm keen i'm keen to revisit it so cool. uh with that a wrap why don't we take a look at next episode uh we'll be doing something a little bit different I'm going to be at Shucks this coming weekend, and I, that would have already be over by the time you're listening to this, I, I, I imagine. So uh, I'm not going to be focusing on a particular game, but I at least will be just talking a bit of a grab bag of what I experienced at Shucks. So hopefully I had a good time. <laughs> I think we should be uh, fun to, you know, turn the tables a little bit and let me uh, interview you as our guest to, to tell us about your experiences and, and, you know, interesting things at Shucks. Uh, you know, I'm no stranger to interview shows. My last podcast <laughs> was a board game interview show. So, uh, and we, we did a Shucks episode for the last one in 2018. Well, I'll, I'll be our reporter with uh, boots on the ground. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thanks for going into the fray and uh, reporting back. If you have any questions or comments you'd like to leave us, our email is omnigamersclub at gmail.com. Let us know if you're playing Dreamlight Valley or other farming games you've enjoyed, or if you were at Shucks, I guess, (laughs) Uh, or have any questions that you might have for, for what I saw there. Until then, keep your vacuum cleaner charged and your game table overflowing and your backlog may it ever dwindle and become shorter and shorter just be careful you don't vacuum up any meeples (laughs) very nice until next time (laughs) all right thanks everyone thanks for listening enjoy daydreaming dreamlight valleying harvesting dream a little dream